Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today we have a special episode. I am joined by Lauren Jerner racing for the Groove Off-Road Racing Team and she just became Pan American Champion. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course, let's start with congratulations on my behalf and the behalf of Isam who isn't here. I am coming to you from Finland, so if you hear any background sound, it's because I'm not on my usual location, but thankfully I won't do too much talking today, because as said, Lauren is here. Could you shortly introduce yourself to our European listeners who don't know you yet? Yeah, hi everyone, I'm Lauren, I'm 20 years old, I race cyclocross in America, and I do most of the domestic season over here, racing for Groove Off-Road Racing, of course. To get to know you a bit better, I'm going to ask you 10 dilemmas, and you should choose one. So far, everybody who's gotten these dilemmas has always chosen one. So let's start off. Racing in Europe or racing in the US? Racing in the US for the community. I know so many more people here. (laughs) Rochester or Waterloo? Waterloo. Grifo or Reno? Grifo. Wout or Mathieu? Mathieu. Come on, talking to a Dutchman. <laughs> Femme or Puck? Puck. <laughs> well, let's go into the non-cycling segment then. Christmas or Thanksgiving? Christmas. Brisket or Philly cheesesteak? Brisket, 100%. <laughs> New York City or Los Angeles? Los Angeles. I haven't visited New York City yet. <laughs> football or baseball? Football. American football or European football? European football. And Taylor Swift or Harry Styles? Taylor Swift. Any day. (laughs) Okay, going for the Taylor Swift there, is that music you normally listen to or what type of music do you like to listen to when riding or just in general? Taylor Swift had a song on my warm-up playlist. Harry Styles did not. Um, But I listen to both of them regularly all the time. You could catch me listening to their album just straight through. At any point in the day. <laughs> My sister will be very, very pleased to hear that. She likes both as well. <laughs> has dragged me to a Harry Styles concert. Is dragging me to a Taylor Swift concert next season. So you can already sense who put this dilemma in here. It was indeed my sister. So she will be pleased to hear that. You went for football and then European football. Are there any other sports you like to follow besides cycling? I would say watch a decent amount of F1. I'm a fan of watching tennis, but yeah, in terms of football, American or baseball, I would choose neither if that had been an option. (laughs) So baseball can go on for so long and nothing happens. So other than that, I watch um, cyclocross if I'm there. (laughs) I'm more an in-person cyclocross spectator. Yeah, in-person sports is almost always the way to go for me at least Uh, when I was in the US I had the pleasure to visit a baseball game but you are right those games can last very long besides sports do you have any binge watching tips for our listeners pretty much any of the reality love shows on uh, Netflix or YouTube TV or whatever Uh, we'll be watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and all of the many subsets of everything like that uh I would be a fan to watch those. (laughs) Okay, let's move to the cycling part then. You already went for racing in the US with a bit of an explanation for the community. How strong is that cyclocross community feeling in the US? You know, I think especially this year, since I'm 
a bit more of an experienced rider now, having done it for a few seasons. I know more people in the community. And I would say that this year it's stronger just because I know a lot more people. And so I know who's going to be where and, you know, tent doors are open most of the time, especially in the non-focused parts of the day. Obviously, nobody's going over when you're warming up, but being able to talk to people and enjoying their company on the times when you're not warming up or getting ready for a big race is huge to me. And I really, I really love being able to hang out with all of my cyclocross friends. <laughs> Who would you say is your best friend on the cyclocross scene? That's a difficult question because there's, there's so many layers to that question. Um, I would say probably Jules. <laughs> we are dating, so that kind of makes sense. Other than that, uh, I'm also pretty decent friends with his teammates, Kaya and Sydney McGill. And I think I hang out with them the most often outside of my own teammate, Caroline. Um, the reason I don't say Caroline is just because the age difference is very vast. And so there's less easy conversation just that flows naturally. But Caroline and I definitely, definitely go crazy sometimes. <laughs> We could see that there was a good relationship already just from the limited coverage that we have of the USCX series. We saw during the last race in Falmouth, Massachusetts, that there was some coaching going on during the race. How is it? It's your first season being on the same team as Caroline. How How's it going? Uh, yeah, so actually last year, Caroline was a part of the Alpha team before we switched over. And it was really good getting to know her last season as a teammate because I kind of learned how, you know, how to set just communicative boundaries and all of that. Um, so we kind of got the whole introduction out of the way without it being... A team director and teammate type situation and um, this year it's been really good because we've had a lot of emphasis on the mentorship and the learning slash coaching during the race type of thing and yeah Caroline's been great at just kind of getting to know how I ride as a racer and she'll be like I know that you want to do this you have to change it and switch to this and try it for a couple laps and even if it doesn't work I want you to stick to it till you get that down and then you can like use what you know and choose what's best from there and it's almost kind of like a forced learning experience just because the way that she rides and the way I ride sometimes are so different and so she'll be she'll go around a corner together and I'll be on her wheel in a race and she'll be like you have to take that wider you have to take you could shoot the inside more and especially on the second day at Falmouth when we were racing together with Jenea Francis, it was a lot of her encouraging me, telling me like when to hit it, kind of how to manage the tactical aspect of that because some parts of me wanted to maybe attack, but I was like, I know I'm better when I have my teammate with me. And so it was really good having her there. And then eventually when Francis attacked that day two of Falma, Caroline, let me go by to go get her because she knew what she had left and she knew what I could have had left and she wanted me to be able to go get it. And she was, you could, I could hear her yelling in her final few corners as I was going down the start straight. She was like, come on, baby, get her <laughs> in her French accent. 
So it's been good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. It sounds like a very good mentor role. It's something which we tend to see a bit more in the European scene. You see the triple seven team or Cyclocross Reds. I still need to get used to that a bit, but trained by Camille van der Berg, former cyclocross rider. If you look at the team manager at Balsa, is okay, not the cyclocross rider, but Mario de Klerk, multiple time world champion, is coaching them there. Do you think this makes a big difference that you can have such an experienced rider? I mean, you already said it makes a difference for you that you learn things, but compared to the rest that you have so much experience that you can rely on to learn, which others might not have? Yeah, I do think it makes a difference. There's a lot of questions that I'm able to ask her just because she will know the answer. And I'll be like, oh, what do you think about like this pressure versus this pressure, this tire? And she'll say, this one's taking a bigger risk, but I think you can do it. Or here's why you shouldn't do it. Don't do that because you'll break things. And it's like just a lot of little things that I don't have to necessarily rely on my own limited experience to figure out. And I'm, I'm able to ask her so many more questions and get answers with reasons. And of course we share the same coach. So a lot of our workouts, whenever we're traveling and training are similar, even if we don't have the same intervals, but it's like, we both have two hours today. So we get to go ride and talk about, you know, her, her life, my life, uh, all of that. And eventually we end up talking about the races that she's done and she's like, Oh, well, here's why this was great or why this wasn't so great. Do you ever watch back your races to analyze and draw conclusions? So I've been trying to do that more often, but I am not the best about watching televised races. And Caroline gets on me about that. She's like, you have to do the homework this week. And so I've been watching the races more often this year and getting some enjoyment out of it. But up until this season, I hadn't done a lot of that, but now I can watch more and just kind of like watch through the lens of like, oh, what's this person doing? How could I take this section better? How are they doing it? What was advantageous here or there? We've said a couple of times that, at least from our point of view, it looks like you've made a pretty big step in terms of performances and results this season. Is that some, Is that a conclusion that you also share or is it for your more national growth? I think that I've been progressing as an athlete. I've been trying to place a lot of like my own importance on general improvement. And I think season to season, I've been showing that so far. Like my first season as racing in the elite field, I was like, okay, well, I want to be in the top 20 or I want to be in the top 15 and I want to get points and then I can start moving up from there. And then by the end of that season, I just barely brushed like the top, like between fifth and 10th area. And so the next season I was like, okay, well, that's where I want to start. And I want to be brushing the top 10 all the time. And then last season I was in the top 10 most of the time. And this season I was like, okay, well, I want to be in the top five and podium capable whenever possible. And so this season, it's been like a lot of emphasis is placed on like really focusing on trying to be with that top group. And we have unfortunately had a lot of that top group action happening this season, but I think that I have been progressing in a direction that 
that will be possible at least next season. So I'm looking forward to seeing how I do next season. I think in general, what we're seeing is a pretty strong width of the field, a pretty deep field forming on the women's side with very strong U23s. You yourself are a third year U23. We'll come to the Pan American Championships in a bit, but there's a couple of other U23s from North America. I mean, the obvious name are Isabella Holmgren, her sister, Eva Holmgren, but you already mentioned her, Janaya Francis, another rider who maybe was not really on our radar before the season, but is somebody who's made progression as well. It must be nice to have more of these groups form rather than a field completely shattered because Magli Rochette and or Clara Honsinger, as we've seen in the past couple of seasons, steam away at the front. It's definitely been interesting, both racing with Magali and then I guess later in the season when the, those Canadians kind of started to dabble and join us. And I've been having a lot of fun at the most recent few races, just because that field has been a little more, I don't know, in tune with group racing. And I've been able to race with like Caroline and Jenea last weekend. And I guess we'll get to it, but I was with uh, Jenea and Ava for part of the race. So it's been a lot of fun to actually experience that part of racing dynamic instead of just go lay it all out there and go as hard as you can for 50 minutes. Yeah, one of the things that Isam was interested in was relating to this. He also drew the same conclusion as what you just said in terms of your results. Well, you said you wanted to be in the top five most of the time and it worked just off mm -hmm. the podium a couple of times. He was wondering if you can feel that you're progressing, not only in terms of result, but before the season, do you have this feeling like, hey, I feel much stronger compared to last year, or is this something you don't really notice and it's just basically still a big uncertainty and you only know when you're racing and it kind of just happens like as a overnight switch of the lights? Yeah, I think going into the season every year is always pretty nerve-wracking and it's you're never completely sure how you're gonna stack up against people but this year I was doing effectively the longest hours that I've done on the bike in the summer and the like hardest intensity that I've done and I felt like I'd been putting a lot more in than previous years in the summer so going into the season I was nervous for how I was gonna do obviously but pretty confident that I could achieve what I wanted to and the first few races I was having a few issues on the bike on day one and then I would kind of come back and with a vengeance on day two um, at least kind of how I see it in hindsight so I think going into the season it's always nervous you're never really sure how you're gonna do and then Finally, once we raced Roanoke, it was just a huge, almost like sigh of relief. It's like, oh, I am, I am on the right track to be where I want to be, or I am where I want to be. So yeah, it's been exciting. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely recall from the times when I was racing, like, even though you know, hey, I'm feeling pretty strong on training, that first race is always, well, what have the others been up to? I've seen on Strava that they've been training quite a bit and you want to do well. You had a bit of a road racing campaign going on to prepare for the cross season. Is this something that you've intensified compared to previous years? A lot of other riders have been racing gravel. What was your way into this season? Yeah, so our team has 
as Groove Off-Road Racing, we emphasize all of the off-road things. And what we've been doing this summer is Caroline did the Lifetime Grand Prix. So she did all of the biggest gravel races. And I kind of followed her to a few and threw myself in the ring and see what would happen when I go hard for six hours on a bike. And that's been its own journey completely. Um, But on the road, uh, before this season, I had never done a stage race. And I also mostly did crits besides that in terms of road racing. So this year I went and I did the Joe Martin stage race and the tour of the Gila, which are both domestic stage races. And I went in not knowing what was going to happen just to go trade and get some hours on the bike with other people and see what would happen. And I ended up really enjoying myself most of the time, aside from when it hurts a lot, but (laughs) it was a really good experience and it definitely was more intense on the road this year, even though it was pretty limited in the amount that I did, but there was a lot more, I don't know, volume there. So it's clearly something that always helps to improve yourself. And I mean, if you look, we are both from the birth year 2003, both of our junior years have been impacted by COVID. You had one season that was completely wiped away a full cyclocross season. Is this something that you think has hampered your cyclocross career in any way, like lacking racing experience or just difficulties resetting after a complete year out of the running? So actually, um, yes, first of all, just general yes, but not so much that it was the worst thing ever for me. In Colorado, we have a very strong cycling community there's so many junior teams here and obviously the junior team that I grew up on and so there's like a whole backbone of support here even if it's just locally and so that year we were able to still do a few races even if it was just completely for fun and just to you know get outside on a bike and see what happens but We were able to do a few races here and it was a bummer that I wasn't able to, you know, travel and see all of the traveling circus people, but it was almost like a good, a good reset in a way. Cause it's like, oh, I get to be in tune with my like local community and hang out with people that I haven't seen in a while because I've been off racing and all of that. But at the beginning of 2020, like January 1st, I was racing with the USA Cycling December block, and I raced ball, uh, the Sven Nice race, and I broke my hand going downhill on the whoop section, and they were lined with metal barricades that race. And so I went over the bars, hit my hand on the metal barricades, broke three bones, um, and was like, I... I ran to the pit and then was rushed off to the Belgian hospital. And then I went home as planned, got surgery. I was supposed to be on the world's team, but I couldn't race because of injury. And just when I was starting to get outside on a bike again and off the trainer, 
then COVID hit and everything went dark. So 2020 was a rough year for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, it's still good to to hear that you went through it relatively well. I've heard stories from Italian juniors and riders from Spain who really, really struggled. They were indoors for three months, lost mm -hmm. fun. So um, it's good to hear that it then, in that sense, didn't really cause an impact. But of course, it's lost experiences, lost opportunities, which are always a shame. But I guess everybody's had them. And luckily, we're out and racing again now with this weekend, the Pan American Championships. No broadcast. Could you tell us first something about the course before we go over the race? Yeah, so the course was spread out in a way that made it easy for spectators to see us very often. So from a spectator standpoint, it was a really, I think, engaging race to have put on. So they did well at the venue for that. Besides that, it was pretty well described on their website. You start off, it was a pretty slippery course because it had rained a few times before going into the weekend. So the, just that top layer of grass dirt was just super slick and then there were pretty steep uphills multiple of them we had to run some of the steep downhills there was I guess there was this one section that you run up and then you could either choose to ride down or run down and then you run straight back up the next hill and um yeah there were a lot of like steep up steep downs tight corners and I heard a lot of people saying as we were pre-riding on Friday and Saturday that there were just so many turns everywhere so it's a very twisty turny course with a lot of punchy uphills. Sounds pretty Belgian the race itself was a battle between you Eva Holmgren and Janaya Francis for the win could you tell us where you made your winning move and at what point? Yeah, so our race was five laps long, and the first two and a half laps, I was, for lack of better words, I was with them for the first three laps, and it was us racing in a group. And right before we came onto the start straight for to see two to go, just before the start straight, there's the pits. And on that lap, Ava Holmgren chose to take a pit, and at that time, she was still ahead of Jenea in the group and just taking the pit and slowing down for that. I didn't have to do that because I had taken a pit the lap before. And in that slowing down, I came onto the start straight a few seconds before them. And I looked back and saw the little bit of daylight that was between us. And I thought to myself, this is now I have to go for it, even if it doesn't stick and I went super hard down the start straight that lap all the way up to the hill because right away you hit a steep hill. And I think that was pretty much the move. And then Jenea and Ava appeared to be racing together for the rest of the race, um, or most of the rest of the race at least. But my dad told me that Jenea crashed one of them crashed held the other up even more so that just it kind of made the gap even bigger so it worked out in my favor um but that was with two to go that was the move 
I would say well-deserved win. I mean, I need to take credit Thank for you. some predictions, but um, yeah. Yeah, the predictions <laughs> were very, very hard to make with uh, not knowing really what the weather would be like or knowing right. any start list. Like, I, I wasn't even sure if Eva and Isabella Hongren would show up there. But mm. nevertheless, it seemed like good racing on a very pretty venue. The pictures looked very good. What would you say is the importance of this win on your career does it auto qualify you for worlds i know fightville worlds were your first and only world so far does this mean anything towards that yeah so personally this is huge to me i haven't won a championship since 2018 when i won the 15 16 junior championships so this is huge for me and i think that it auto qualifies me for a selection for world championships. But besides that, I think it's a really good step in my career just because it's good to know kind of that I have that in me to be able to, you know, perform on the day when it matters. In the past few years, I've struggled to do that where it's like, okay, well, this is the day that is important from at least a championship perspective. At the end of the day, it's one day and, you know, like anything could have happened. So it's like good to keep that in the corner of my mind, but I'm really happy to have been able to put it together on the day it mattered. And I think that moving forward, knowing that will be helpful for me. Everybody faces pressure, even if you're Femme Van Empel, who became European champion, won every race this season. She's still saying in the post-race interview, I was super nervous. I had very negative thoughts. So... I think definitely for most riders, that's something that's super recognizable because at the end of the day, you can be the best rider for the entire season. But if you have a bad day on that day or make a mistake, it, it's still very cruel in a way that in a sport that on one way is all about consistency and classifications. At the end of the day, it's about that single day. And if we compare it to Formula One, where it's this classification based over 20 something races, it it evens out your bad day. So right. I guess it makes a, a lot of sense. Did you feel like that type of pressure as well when you were racing fight field worlds? A bit decently, yes. The That world championships was interesting <clears throat> because we had 38 USA athletes there, which we've never had that big of a showcase at a world championship <laughs> before that I know of. I mean, I'm... I guess I don't speak from a lot of experience racing world championships. But, but it's correct, but, it's correct. Yeah. And so it was really interesting, but I was very nervous that day too. And I ended up making a couple mistakes on the course, like swerving into the pit because I just barely almost missed the yellow flag entry and just kind of, you know a young junior not paying enough attention, but I was very nervous for that race. And even having done that world cup during the season before it was still like, I know the course, I know when I'm better. I know when I'm worse. I know this hill is going to really suck, but (laughs) at least having that in your back pocket kind of helps. So from that aspect, it was good. Um, But that world championships I think was just a huge like learning experience and like getting to race with a crowd that big 
all chanting USA was also just like, it's a core memory. <laughs> yeah, it must be very cool to race in front of a home crowd that just cheers for every USA mm -hmm. kid. We're coming to the end of the episode. The final question has been sent in by Isam. He's wondering if you have a goal for yourself for this season and for a longer term, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, so for this season, um, my big goal was to be on some podiums. And so far, I've been just off of them until this weekend. So, but I mean elite podiums. So in two weeks, we have a C2 weekend in North Carolina that we're planning on going to. So I have hopes for that race as well as nationals is also a big goal, just like Pan American championships. And then a five-year plan. I'd like to be, you know, I'd like to be a one of the most successful American athletes. I think being able to like race at the top of the field, every race all the time in America, and then, you know, take what you know, go to Europe, you know, take it competitively over there as well. I think that like as a whole, I want American cyclocross to be taken seriously when we go over to Europe and not just like, oh, we're fighting to stay on the lead lap. Um, and right now I'm, that's kind of where I'm at. So it's like, oh, I'm, I made it to the lead lap, but I want to be like up there more and, you know, it's deeper fields in Europe, so you're going to be competitive with everyone who's racing because the field is just so stacked. But I'm looking forward to um, being more competitive and, you know, kind of being on the top. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It was certainly a very nice conversation. I think we've learned quite a lot about your cycling and some of your other hobbies. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for having me. That will end this episode of the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Again, thank you, Lauren, for being here. It was really a pleasure to have you on as brand new U23 champion. Thank you for taking the time. I thank everyone for listening. And we will be back this weekend when we cover the Super Prestige in Nieuw and the World Cup in Dendermonde. See you guys then. Goodbye.